We'll have some clients that this is, you know, their third, second, fourth Nordhaven. Delivery day comes and they just grab the keys and they're off. Other clients new to boating, this may be their first boat period. We'll go through everything from driving the boat, learning the systems, electrical, stuff like that. But it can vary anywhere from a week to 14 days total. Fernando, thank you for joining us. My I pleasure. appreciate it. My pleasure, very Looking excited. Looking forward to this. We've been talking on Instagram for a few months we back have. and forth, so yep. I'm glad we can make this, uh, this happen. So if you could kick it off with who you are, uh, what you do, and then we'll, we'll go all the different directions. Of course, so my name is Fernando Diaz. I'm a salesman here at Nordhaven Southeast in North Palm Beach, Florida, and I've been with the Nordhaven team for about nine years now. Okay. Started on the service side, did that for about four and a half years. Found myself kind of stuck, wanted a challenge, wanted to move up the ranks, and I came over to the dark side, as they like to call it, <laughs> over, to, over to sales. And so far, I love every aspect of it. Okay, nice. And so if we can, before we get into what goes into owning the boat, because mm -hmm. we want to touch on for people either that own these boats or that are thinking about buying these boats, what mm -hmm. they actually need to repair for. Before we dive into that, mm -hmm. how did you get into this? I know you were a Marine. Mm -hmm. Walk us through this process of going from the Marines to service to sales. How did that work? So basically, it was a little bit of luck. Uh, my best friend was just getting out of the Navy, and he worked on large-scale water makers in the Navy. Okay. He got hired by the company first. Uh, he ventured out. He was here very, for a very short time. I was at the right place at the right time. was offered a job. Started uh, on the service side for about four and a half years. That entailed everything from servicing the boats to commissioning warranty items, stuff like that. So I did that for about four and a half years. I loved every aspect of it. You know, you get to really learn the boats, the electrical systems, the machinery spaces, stuff like that. And I kind of just felt myself stuck. I was used to being in the Marines, you know, you're used to promotions, change of landscapes. So I decided to uh, join the dark side in sales. And so far it's been a great, great journey. So has that, has that piece of going through and doing the service and warranty work, how has that helped on the sales front? So of course that was very implemental, you know, learning these boats, having hands-on training, driving the boats, learning everything from the electrical systems to the water makers, uh, engines, generators, stuff like that. All that correlates to what I do now in sales, being able to represent those items very knowledgeable. It was very, very helpful. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I bet people are reaching out to you all the time of, mm -hmm. hey, what's going on with this part of the boat? Who mm -hmm. do I call for this? And so are you able to then take that and like diagnose actually what's going on and then point them in the right direction? Right, depending on the severity yeah. of the problem, you know, whether it's something electrical or uh, something mechanical, we can steer them in the right direction. And it also depends on where they're located. Are they out at sea? Do they have, you know, proper satellite communications to go back and forth? And if the problem gets a little too deep, we have a huge uh, team on the West Coast, everything from electrical engineers to the uh, very same people that design these boats and build these boats as well. So we have a full team that really, really helps and you know works together as a team to help our clients. That's cool. And I, I follow a bunch of the team members on Instagram mm -hmm. and I see yeah. you guys flying components yeah. out to the Bahamas. I saw one. Mm -hmm. um, what are, like, so what, if you've got any, what are some examples of that happening? Like what, what would be a situation that comes up and then they call you, what's the resolution? So I haven't had a, a service problem yet where I've had to flo or fly somewhere and help a client, you know, it, it's an emergency or whatnot. 
Uh, but I have a similar story. Uh, I have a client on a 63, a Nordhaven 63, and he was having trouble delivering his boat from Mexico and entering the States. This was during COVID. Uh, so basically, Customs was telling us that they needed an American citizen on board the yacht in order to enter the States. Again, this was during COVID. And he needed me there within 24 hours and basically asked me, Could, you know, can, Fernando, can you be there in Mexico? This is flying from Palm Beach to, to Mexico within 24 hours. And I found myself in, in Ensenada, Mexico in less than 24 hours to help this owner bring the boat across the border. Making it happen. Making it happen at all costs, yeah. So we always get scenarios like that where you know a client might need you to be somewhere quick and we'll try to do our best to accommodate that. Yeah, well, and I mean, it might be self-evident to you, but that's not super common mm -hmm. in, definitely in this industry, but also across almost every industry with people I talk mm -hmm. to. Like why, why would you get on a plane within 24 hours to go do that? Well, first and first most, he was one of my first clients, but I think the bigger picture is customer service. You know, clients remember that. They remember those kind of uh, acts of service. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, here at Nordhaven, we're, we're number one on customer service. I think that's very, very important. Yeah. And the, the Nordhaven owners that we work with, they are, they're meticulous. It's that they are. Yeah. It's, it's cool to watch because it's, the the Nordhaven owners, the trawler owners across the across the spectrum, mm -hmm. it's cool because they post all the stuff on social media, so you mm -hmm. get to see that experience of what they're going through. Like, oh, we're traveling from Washington to right. British Columbia, or we're going up to Alaska, and all these things. So you do actually get a glimpse into the kind of customers mm -hmm. you're working with, but they do give you guys shout outs all the time. Like they do, yeah. You follow like MV, all of these mm -hmm. different boats, and they're always like. Yeah, so we're help Right, out. right. That's how I found out about all these things. It's what's that been like to interact with this whole community of Nordhaven owners? Like, what's that been like for you? So for myself, I think I came in right at the perfect time where social media was getting bigger due to COVID. There was more people spending time on their phones, searching boats or cars, whatever it may be. And I think uh, being twenty twenty three, that that's really the future. Social media, you know, you have a lot of big companies and brands that promote their business on social media. As you know, I'm, I'm constantly posting stuff online on, on Instagram. And it's not so much where you're, you're posting the brand or trying to sell something, but just the interaction that keeps clients and their brokers or friends connected on a daily basis. It, it kind of makes you feel like you're there with that person and you know that person more than you really do. Yeah. And you kind of get to see each other's lives. And you know, like you mentioned, you're on a boat, you're cruising down through the Panama Canal or whatnot, and people get to see, you know, my daily life, what goes into my life outside of sales. And I think overall that just builds a, a better connection with clients and brokers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I, had a, I had a question <laughs> I wanted to ask you on that front. Well, okay, so one of, the, one of the things that I notice when I talk to different yacht owners mm -hmm. is that everything breaks. Mm -hmm. It's, you're out on the water to mm -hmm. boat, you could build the most perfect boat, something will yeah. still break. Something will always be broken. It's, it's inevitable. So. From, from your guys' side of things, one of the main complaints I hear from yacht owners that we talk to is from the, like, whatever manufacturer they're with, we're, we don't know what part was broken or what was built with it. We reach out to them. There's this long lead time, everything along these lines. It's pretty frustrating for mm -hmm. these boat owners because you're spending a ton of money. Like, mm -hmm. 
some of these it's a minimum of 15 20 grand a month and that mm -hmm. that could be on the low end for some of these in terms of, of expenses it's like hey i can't use this boat because it's broken all the time so how do you what do you guys do what do you guys put in place to help avoid that for your owners to make it a better ownership experience so basically uh let's say someone purchases a new boat we'll have all the serial numbers and model numbers of items that go into that boat. So let's say, for example, an owner had to remove a fridge or whatnot and he can't access that barcode or for, whatever, for whatever reason, we'll have that on file. And we also have service centers throughout the country. So we have a full service center here okay. that can help our clients, You know, whether it's with service, warranty, commissioning work, we do refits, we can add uh, jacuzzis, like you said, we've done it in the past. But uh, overall, we have a system where we can enter these items and we can access that item depending on what item the, the buyer or the owner is referring to. Got it. Okay, perfect. So that so you're, you're giving them this data to be able to actually make informed decisions, not just guesswork. Correct, correct. And along with new boat purchases, a lot of these items, they'll have to go through and contact these manufacturers for warranty purposes as well. Yeah, and it's... Inevitable that you're going to have to contact. But I'm sure with Vessel Vanguard, it, it could make that process a lot easier if they had it all, you know, at the palm of their hands, whether it's an iPhone, a tablet, an iPad, whatever the case may be. Definitely. That's, mm -hmm. that's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you for see sure. a lot of the old school maintenance logs and people are writing stuff down. You know, it's, it's all on paper. Yeah. You drop some water and now it's all smeared. You can't read what it says. So, yeah, it's super common. Like we mm -hmm. talk to the captains all the time that like we showed up on a, a galleon not too long ago. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, when did you take this over? Oh, a few months ago. Oh, over the, the logbooks. Like, he's like, yeah. you really want to know? Yeah. Like, yeah, sure, show me. He opens a book that looks just like this. Mm -hmm. And it had one page with probably about this much writing on it. Right. I was like, okay, where's like the rest of the logs? He's like, this is what, That's it. This is what I'm working with. Yeah. This is all I got. Yeah. <laughs> so the new captain comes in and they have to figure out what they're doing from... Mm -hmm this much writing mm -hmm. this is a this is at it's at least a million and a half dollar boat right might be more right and i'm working with a page and is it legible you know can can you read it <laughs> i mean the way i see it is if it's on a tablet like an ipad for example instead of going page through page looking for something you'll just type in the search bar let's say i'm looking for a mealy fridge yeah. and it'll just pop up everything that correlates with mealy and you know you're just saving time which saving time let, lets you be on the water for much yeah. more time. So, and I want to dig into, I want to definitely come back to what goes into maintaining these boats mm -hmm. and what people need to be prepared for. But before jumping into that, if you're talking to a new, somebody that wants to buy a Nordhaven or somebody that's looking to buy mm -hmm. a yacht in general, like what are the initial things that you talk to them about to get them prepped that most people don't really know because they haven't gone through. Like, mm -hmm. What are some of those? For purchasing? Yeah. I would say the biggest thing that I see is clients or boat shoppers not contacting an insurance company okay. to see what boats they qualify for. So there's a lot of instances where you'll have clients looking for 50 foot, 60 foot, 70 foot yachts, not knowing that they don't have enough experience to purchase that yacht unless they have a full-time captain on board. So, you know, First step would be to contact an insurance agent. They'll ask you a few questions. Uh, you know, what type of boats have you owned? How long have you cruised on the water? And they'll be able to point you in the right direction. Okay, John, the biggest boat based off your experience is a 50 foot boat. 
try this out as your first boat, cruise for a year, and then we can bump you up to a 60 footer or a 65 footer. So I would say the first step would be to contact an insurance agent just so that you know your limits and you're not searching, wasting time on a boat that in theory you probably can't purchase or you know, you're not wanting to hire a full-time captain for that sake. Got it. Yeah, and you don't want to have a two, five, ten million dollar uh, uninsurable exactly. <laughs> asset exactly. sitting there. Um, well, and so I, I probably have an idea of why, but what are some of the things when you you talk to these insurance brokers? Like, what what is that metric? Like, why do they want to make you test it and make sure that you can handle this boat before bumping up to the next? Does that come from just like terrible things have happened and they're learning their lessons. I'm going to guess it's, it's similar to the car insurance. So if you have a lot of bad experiences, they're probably going to cap you off at a certain boat. Or if you've had, let's say, too many crash incidents, they're probably going to require that you have a full-time captain. But for insurance needs, I would definitely contact, I use uh, Gina Glassdoyle out of uh, Dana Point, California. Okay. She's with Hayden Insurance and I recommend all my clients to Gina. So in addition to the insurance, mm -hmm. so they, they've got to check for that and make sure they're actually buying the right size. Mm -hmm that they can even buy the size that they want. Um, what else should they look at? Uh, the second step would be financing. So similar to home purchasing, if you're gonna finance a boat, you, you wanna make sure that your financing is in place. We don't wanna get to a boat purchase and we're going through the process, we're getting towards the end of closing, and for whatever reason, you can't secure your financing and now the deal falls through. Yeah. So the second step would, would definitely be securing financing. Although most of the deals that, that I see myself uh, our cash deals, we do have that small percentage of boat sales that are financing. And the third one, I would probably say find a good broker that you're comfortable with. Uh, in this industry, you'll see it's a small world. You know, clients will talk to multiple brokers, which I wouldn't say that's a negative thing. But again, similar to home purchasing, you don't pay anything for using a buyer's broker. So the seller pays the commission. The buyer's broker doesn't pay anything. So find someone that you like, someone that you can relate to, someone that you trust, someone that is knowledgeable, but try not to talk to multiple brokers because if that word gets out, now you'll get less feedback from each broker because they're not sure who you're gonna choose. Got it. So I would say just working with one reliable broker that, that, that you trust, that you can relate to, that you're comfortable with at the end of the day. You Got wanna it. make sure you're comfortable. You don't wanna feel nervous or whatnot. Yeah, I understood. <laughs> okay, so it's the insurance, mm -hmm. get that squared away. Financing, if you're gonna pay with mm -hmm. cash, make sure that that's good, but mm -hmm. also if you're gonna finance it, get that squared away, mm -hmm. and then find a good broker. Find a good broker, yeah. Okay. And, and I think with finding a good broker, it comes down to wh where are you looking to purchase the boat? If you live in Florida and you're looking to purchase a boat in Washington, it's probably best to find a broker that's in Washington, knows the landscape, knows yeah. the connections there, and vice versa. Yeah. So when somebody comes to you, they want to buy a boat, mm -hmm. what is that initial conversation like? How, do they reach out to you to ask like, here's what I'm looking for, here's mm -hmm. what I want to do? What, is, what does that entail? So for me, I, I think it, it comes very organically, very smoothly, again, with social media. So most clients aren't reaching out to me like, hey, I have a question about this boat or I want to buy this boat. It's always like if I post something in the gym, the conversation starts from, you know, what are you working out? Or if I'm at uh, my nephew's baseball games, you know, they're talking about how their kids play baseball. So it's not necessarily we jump straight into business. And I think that's what I like about social media. You know, I'm not cold calling them, I'm not cold emailing them. 
they're basically finding me and we're starting a dialogue without you know speaking about votes. We're not even talking business. It's just, hey, this is who I am. I know who you are. These are the things that I like. What do we have in common? Imagine if you had full control of your boat, you felt safer, eliminated the unknown, and you were able to forecast and plan for your boat's upcoming maintenance instead of being caught off guard. Can you imagine knowing exactly what is installed on your boat down to the part and serial number on all of your standard and custom equipment at a moment's notice? Having instant access to your manuals while at dock or at sea and provide custom departure checklists specifically for your boat and your crew. Imagine ensuring the safety of your vessels and passengers with instant access to send emergency alerts and being able to ensure the value and the pedigree of your boat with digital logs recording the full history of every event on your boat. Well, you can with Vessel Vanguard. We are the leading maintenance and safety management software in the marine industry. We work with a wide range of marine industry experts, including yacht owners, captains, ferry and tugboat operators. If you're looking to safeguard your assets and preserve your revenue, visit VesselVanguard.com and schedule a demonstration for yourself. The link can be found in the show notes below. We look forward to supporting you and your vessel soon. It's, it's, it's really interesting how social mm-hmm. media plays yeah. that role it does mm-hmm. make things flow smoother mm-hmm. and like you were mentioning before with with this we connected because i we were following you for a few weeks and mm-hmm. then you followed back we were sharing stuff and then it's been three or four months at this point but right over that time i've got to see the different stuff that you're working on mm-hmm. going to your nephew's baseball games right. and things like that so when when we met mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't fully like Oh, hello. Hi, I'm Chris. How are you? We, right. We kind of just came in here. We figured out where mm-hmm. we're putting this camera equipment mm-hmm. and we just kind of sat down and started talking. And right, it was much right. more fluid. It's it's really an amazing tool for that. Mm-hmm. It's been huge for us. Right. I mean, it, for myself, it, it's been very detrimental to my success. I mean, like, like I said, it just feels uh, very fluid. Yeah. It doesn't feel staged and we're, we're not jumping into business right right away. So, yeah. you know, I, I like it that way a lot more. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, so what are the, when somebody comes to you and they want to build a new boat, what are they trying to do? Do they come to you with like, here's kind of the, the missions that I have. I want to cruise from here to here. Mm-hmm. Like, what is... What's that part of the process like? So for a new build, uh, I would say most of our clients that are looking at Nordhavens are very, very knowledgeable on the boats and the brand. So they already have a picture of what they're wanting to do. Do they want to cross the Pacific? Do they want to cross the Atlantic? I think it comes down to, does a client want to build a new boat and start from scratch? Or maybe time is of the essence and they want to purchase something on the brokerage side. So there's two two avenues that you can really approach. Uh, But on a new build, I would say if a client's already set on the model that that he's interested in, it, it just comes down to the customization of the boat. And again, depending on the model, depends on how much customization we can do. Okay. So on the Nordhaven 71, for example, that's more of a production style boat. We're trying to keep it like the 80, where it's almost a fully specced out boat. If you were to change nothing on the boat besides add electronics, they, they would be magnificent vessels. But of course, both boats offer different options, whether it's wall coverings, layouts, down to flooring. Do they want to add a sauna? Do they want to add a jacuzzi, maybe a movie theater? Basically, depending on the model, if you can think it, we could do it for the most part. Okay. And we were we were on an 80, right? Yeah. With yeah. the elevator. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was re- one of the things that impressed me the most about it that I wasn't expecting was when you go in the galley, how 
open and wide mm -hmm. that whole space was like mm -hmm. you felt like you were in a real living room a lot right. of boats when you go in i feel like i'm in a a wide hallway with couches very narrow exactly mm -hmm. and this it was it was like an entire uh, rectangle shape but you had right. a living room the dining area the open kitchen mm -hmm. it was really inviting to the point where you know i i've never done three months or six months on a boat yeah. and I gotta be honest, until I- I could do a year on that boat. Yeah, until I went into that boat, I yeah. thought people were out of their mind that they could sit right. on a boat for that long. And then right. I went in there, I'm like- I could get used to it. Right, yeah, like you it. said, it's very <laughs> spacious. It all just flows onto one level. But if you need a little bit more privacy, we could drop down the partition and that'll separate the galley from the salon. Let's say you have guests on board, you have a chef back there cooking, you kind of want to just create a little bit more privacy for the guests, we can add partitions as well. Yeah, and a lot of the people that you're working with, either that buy the boats or that build the boats, do they like doing the maintenance and do they like do like getting hands-on mm -hmm. or is it half and half? It's some like it, some don't. What? I would say I would say it's half and half, okay. but I would say most owners can handle most problems and i think most owners should be able to handle certain mechanical problems to a degree because there's not always going to be someone with you you're not going to have a mechanic or a captain with you let's say you don't have satellite communications or you know whatever the case may be but i would say most owners are, are pretty pretty hands-on a lot of these owners uh they do a lot of research they watch videos uh, we have a, a group, what's called a Nordhaven Owners Group online. So it's a forum where you have to own a Nordhaven to be in that group. And we verify each, each, uh, each owner. And they basically can just go in there and say, hey, I'm on Nordhaven 6025. And I'm having a problem with my main engine. You know, the RPMs are revving up or whatever the case may be. And you'll just have owners just chiming in, just dropping answers. Hey, do this, do this, or, you know, call this person. So if they can't contact us right away, you know, they'll, they, they'll help each other out. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's super helpful. Mm -hmm. I, I've noticed that with, you know, different things I do with music or the production mm -hmm. stuff is being able to have that community of people who are doing the same thing mm -hmm. as you, they're gonna be experiencing the same issues and they can mm -hmm. actually give you a resolution. It's, it's right. nice to have that. Right. And the trawler, the trawler owners are, they're pretty nice people. Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of amazing how open helping or giving mm -hmm. feedback or they'll promote each other's pages on mm -hmm. Instagram and things like that. It's, it's, just no, it's, cool. a, it's a very small, the, the Nordhaven community is a very small community. I like to think of it as a cult. You know, everyone's yeah. very tight knit. If they see one Nordhaven, they'll run up to the boat and like, hey, hey, I have a Nordhaven too. You know, here's my boat. And you just, it, you just become friends instantly, really. Yeah. And so what's the, what's the build process like? Where do you guys build the boats? Uh, so we build in three factories in Taiwan. China and in Turkey. Okay. So the models get split up uh, depending on the factory. So at our Turkey factory, we're building the all new 41 and the 51. So those are production style boats. There's not many options. You basically just buy a slot and we'll deliver the boat. Sure. And we build, uh, uh, we build boats in China and Taiwan, a combination of two yards. So the Nordhaven 71 is built at our Taiwanese yard. Okay. And those boats push out the 68s, the 76s, the 71s. Okay, got it. Yeah, the and I, I watched the video of the 71 delivery. Yeah, and they, they got it on the the truck. Yeah, and bringing it down the middle yeah. of the road. That's right through the city. I mean, if you take a look at how close they are to some of the buildings and trees, it just blows your mind away. It really does. Mm -hmm. It's it and it 
it's amazing that that's all part of planning out mm -hmm. how to build a factory, where you can do it, where you mm -hmm. can find the people to do it, right? The the skilled labor, and then also how do we get this giant thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> from so this factory, to it's the not water. their first rodeo. They've yeah. been bu building boats for a very long time. I want to say since the early fifties. Uh, and ho hopefully I'll be at the Taiwanese yard in early September okay. uh, to go over my client's 71, hall number three. Nice. Mm -hmm. So that should be a fun experience. It's got to be exciting. <laughs> pretty excited. Yeah, long flight, but pretty excited. Yeah. Have you been over there yet? Uh, I have not. No, this will be my first time in Taiwan. Nice. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So I'll make sure to take a lot of pictures and videos for social media. <laughs> I'll make a YouTube video out of it or something. So it should be fun. Oh, that's awesome. And then, so I, I noticed that I, I read something where the 120 that got delivered, that actually went from China to, to Alaska or Canada or something like that. I thought their first stop was in Singapore. It could um, be. Yeah, I can't remember where their final destination was, but the bigger boats uh, they have the option to just sail the boat right out of the factory. So yeah. uh, on the 120 instance, we had a few PAE uh, team members on board with the owner. They had a chef. Uh, just made a great experience out of it. They were fishing. Just, just a fun time. That's, so, that's got to be cool. Yeah, I wouldn't mind spending a couple weeks out in the water on the, on the 120. That's just a magnificent boat. Yeah, and the prep for doing something like that has to be pretty, mm -hmm. pretty hefty. Like charting everywhere you're going, making sure right. you got all the supplies, right. safety spots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's and so with the so something like the seventy one, does that get mm -hmm. put on a ship? So that will get put on a ship. Yeah. Okay. So hall number one will get put on a ship, and they'll head over to Seattle, Washington. It'll probably take about forty five days. Okay. It'll be offloaded in Washington by our Nordhaven uh, service team up there. They'll deliver the boat to the docks and it'll begin the process of what we call the commissioning process. So basically we'll have anywhere from one to three techs on board and they'll go through every single system to make sure everything's operating as it should be before the owner takes delivery. So that's anything from electrical systems to the refrigeration, air conditioning, you know, engines, generators. Uh, they're basically testing out everything. I mean, if it has a jacuzzi, they're turning on the jacuzzi. They're probably not getting in the jacuzzi, but you know. <laughs> that you, we know of. That we know <laughs> of. But uh, they're basically just going through the entire boat. They'll see trial, you know, run, run some test numbers before that final delivery. Okay, and how long does that process usually take? Uh, for a 71, depending on the model, it could take anywhere from 30 to 90 days of commissioning. So okay. the bigger the boat, obviously more time, the smaller the boat, closer to 30 days. And so in that, when they test these things out, I mean, I'm sure it's not a specific number. How many sea trials do they do roughly? Uh, on a 71 foot boat, I, I would suspect a minimum of three sea trials. Okay. You know, you'll do sea trials with, with mechanics. Uh, you'll do sea trials with the electronic guys. So these boats, most of our boats do not include electronics. So that'll be one aspect of the boat where a client will have to choose his own electronics package. Everyone likes a different brand, different systems. So you'll be testing everything from generators to uh, engines, RPMs, electrical systems. But I would say a minimum, minimum three C trials on average. Okay, got it. And so after they take delivery, what's, how do you guys prep them in terms of what goes into owning the boat? You mm -hmm. have all this anticipation, this two, three year process mm -hmm. for picking out what you want. It's getting built, you're mm -hmm. getting pictures. All right, it's going on the boat, mm -hmm. it's getting shipped over, it got here, we're doing the sea trials. Here you go. What happens then? Uh, that's a good question. It's very different depending on the client. Okay. So we'll have some clients that this is you know, their third, second, fourth Nordhaven 
basically delivery day comes and they just grab the keys and they're off. They don't need any training. Uh, other clients new to boating, this may be their first boat period. So we'll go through a training session. You know, that can be anywhere from a week to 10 days, depending on uh, the buyer's, you know, uh, knowledge of mechanical systems and stuff like that. But we'll go through everything from driving the boat, learning the systems, electrical, what to do if this happens, what to do if that happens, you know, who do you call? Is this an emergency? Do you need to call us? Stuff like that. But it can vary anywhere from a week to maybe 14 days total, just depending. Got it. Okay, cool. And um, so in... So they've got it, they have the boat, they're taking care of it and everything like that. What, what are some of the things that owners should expect in terms of maintaining the boat? What should they prepare for in terms of time investment, mm -hmm. cost investment? I know that all of these things will vary, but mm -hmm. what's a, what is that conversation like with a new owner? I would say as far as maintaining a boat, it's very similar to a car. If you don't use it, more things will break. Okay. So the more you use the boat, the less problems you'll, you'll most likely have. But uh, I would say realizing that something will always be broken on a boat. You know, you could buy a brand new boat. Everything's not going to work as it should. Why is it like that? I don't know. But you can ask any yacht manufacturer. It's yeah. just the way it is. The nature of the beast. The nature of the beast. Um, another thing I see is, you know, owners might see a boat with a lot of hours and, you know, it scares them away right away. That a lot of the times is a good thing because it shows you that the boat is being used as a, opposed to the boat just sitting there. Mm -hmm. So I would say as far as maintenance, you know, being on top of all your maintenance intervals, whether it's changing out the engine oils, uh, water maker filters, whatever the case may be, the more you stay on top of it, the less issues you'll run into. But realize realistically, you'll always have some type of issue. You know, I'd rather deal with 10 small issues and 10 small issues and 10 big issues. Yeah. And and one of the things that we see on from our side is mm -hmm. that preventative maintenance. It's been huge. Mm -hmm. And that's something we learned from aviation, mm -hmm. doing the software in aviation beforehand. Like these planes, they run all the time, mm -hmm. but because it's so regulated, you hit a certain threshold of hours or mm -hmm. calendar date that component goes, it's right. got a life limit. Once it's done, you throw it out. Mm -hmm. Hey, it could have worked for another thousand hours, but mm -hmm. if it didn't work for that other thousand hours, that thing falls out of the sky. Exactly. And so that's been a cool part of talking to our customers, especially the trawler owners mm -hmm. about how they take care of that stuff and stay ahead of it because it avoids so many of these issues that of you course. hear about. Like we talked to, you know, commercial guys, we talk to ferry guys, we talk to yacht owners, and it's like when these issues come up, everything's almost reactive mm -hmm. entirely. But the cool thing about the trawler owners is they, ver they very much are on top of it. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of just smaller stuff. And mm -hmm. for them, it's a little different than maybe somebody that owns like a, a bigger yacht and that uses it every once in a while, maybe charters it sometimes. Right. That's like an enjoyment thing once a month, once a quarter, once... For some people, it's therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for the trawler owners, what we've noticed is they, it's a part of their life. So right. they're living on it for a month, three, mm -hmm. six months, sometimes full mm -hmm. time. And so the amount of things that can go wrong on a boat are huge. Mm -hmm. And just by staying ahead of it, right. it's mitigating so many of the issues that mm -hmm. happen when you're just reactive right instead it's been a, it's it's been fascinating to learn about because some people are they're living on these boats they're doing mm -hmm. the great loop right it's 
It's 24 seven year yeah. round. So if you can stay on top of the items before they break, you know, that's probably your best bet. But there are some items where I see owners, they'll have spare parts for that item. So let's just say an air conditioning pump or whatnot. Mm -hmm. They'll run that old pump until it just goes. Yeah. Because we're we're not an airplane. We're not in the air. We're not gonna fall out of the sky. So you might lose aircon for you know ten minutes. You change out the pump and you have a spare pump on board. And then there's other items. I probably don't want to wait until it breaks. Let me change it before it breaks. Like let's say your hydraulic coolant pump. I'll yeah. probably change it at the interval instead of changing it. You know, right when it breaks and it fries on me. Yeah, and that's the nice part. That is one of the things that I do like about the less regulation mm -hmm. in this industry is that you, if you stay ahead of things mm -hmm. and then that not critical component fails, right. you can swap it out. And exactly. there's nobody from the, you know, the boating administration. Yeah, no one's coming down your nag, you know, hounding you or whatnot. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, Federal Boating Association <laughs> yeah. or something like that. So that, that part's cool. So you, you do get a little bit more dynamic mm -hmm. ownership than with aircraft. Right, right. And like I said previously, uh, most of these owners are hands-on. Uh, most of the Nordhavens you'll see out there on the water are owner-operator. Once you get into that 80 foot or above, you'll see more captains, more crew, and that may be because of insurance, because the boat's too big, or maybe an owner just wants a captain to enjoy the boat more. Yeah. But I would say most of these owners are owner-operator. Although we have a full service center here, it's not like the boats are just docked here 24-7 getting worked on. You know, they might come in for service work for a month, get all the big items done that they just don't want to handle. And then once they're gone, they'll they'll have to rely on themselves for the smaller items. Sure. Got it. And when somebody comes on and takes on one of those 80-footers or mm -hmm. up, that is really where a captain comes into play. Mm -hmm. Even if your insurance will cover you, those right. are, they're, they're a lot to handle. And there's a lot of moving right. parts trying to get those things into a tight slip. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's really impressive to mm -hmm. watch them be able to do it. So do you guys, kind of, you've been around for a, a long time, do you guys have this kind of network of people, of, hey, you're taking delivery of this boat, here's who mm -hmm. you should get in contact with, here's like a few qualified captains mm -hmm. to be able to do this. Do you guys, do you guys help customers? In oh, that of sense? course, of course. So uh, we have a group of captains that we use. Uh, the biggest name that comes to mind is probably the San Diego captains. Okay. Uh, they're big on social media. You probably the follow guys? the two brothers. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember where they're from. Somewhere in Europe, but they do. I would say maybe ninety-five percent of our deliveries. Okay, and they're they're some of the best in the industry, if not the best. And if you need them somewhere like tomorrow, if they don't have nothing on their schedule, they'll be there tomorrow and take the boat to Australia. You know, however long it takes. You know, at the flip of the switch. It's amazing mm -hmm. to watch them. Like we pull, like we pull them up on our social yeah. media, and it's. They're, oh, we're in this lock yeah. system going up here. And they oh, they don't here. stop. So if you're in a time crunch, you know, give them a call. There okay. has to be a huge hurricane coming for them to stop or something. But, you know, they'll, they'll just keep pushing regardless. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's cool that you can build that that network of mm -hmm. people too. Mm -hmm. um, all right, cool. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything else that we should touch on? Um, I'm just going to think here because I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's cool. Insurance, offload. Um, is there anything, is there any like new developments with the company? Anything happening? That you um, about? we do have the new Nordhaven 112 that we just released. I want to say about three weeks ago, we just put out a publication online. So that's a brand new Nordhaven model that co, uh, it co-mingles with the 148 that we're, we're building. 
So those two boats are all steel and aluminum, and clients will have a choice of three factories in Europe to, to build that boat. A 148, a 148 and a 112. And it, is 148 the biggest that you guys have built, or have you built bigger? That's the biggest we can build. We okay. haven't built a 148 yet. The 120 is the biggest Nordhaven we've built to date. Okay. That'll be a nice feat, pulling off a 148. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and those will be built in Europe. It's more for the European clientele. They're big on aluminum and steel out there. It's a different look, different lines. Uh, but I love both boats overall. That's cool. And you'll have to, you might have to change it to the meters <laughs> number. If right, exactly. Yeah, we might have to go to meters and liters and that'll, that'll really throw me off. Yeah. yeah, but that's actually a good point. That, that really throws me off when you, when you speak with European clients and you're like, yeah, this is, you know, yeah. 400 feet of chain. And they're like, how much is that in meters? And I'm like, oh, like 1100 or something. <laughs> yeah. So. Wait, this is the, yeah. this is the N31M? Yeah. <laughs> no, luckily for me, you don't got to put it in there, but in the, in the military, we shoot in meters. So, so I was lucky enough to know that we shoot in meters. Okay. And we don't use feet because then it throws off all our allies. Like, hey, what the hell is 800 feet? Like, <laughs> Doing calculations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I got it down. It's like you just times it by three and you're, you're pretty darn close. You know, yeah. whatever it is in feet, times it by three. <laughs> That's cool. Well, thank you for coming and doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, where can people get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? So I think everyone already knows where to find me. Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on YouTube, Yachting with Fernando. But you can find me, my IG handle is Fernando.Diaz06. Okay. Perfect. And I also run the Nordhaven Dreamers page. Of course, I run that for the company. It's a cool page. <laughs> I try my best. Yeah. You're doing a good job, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll send you some content. Oh, I appreciate but, uh, it. I appreciate we'll throw it. Your, your info in the show notes below. Awesome. And, um, but yeah, thanks for doing this, man. I no, appreciate I appreciate it, guys. We'll definitely do it again. Cool.